ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Supernatural Selection. I'm your host, Kevin the Bastard. With me this week is Mike the Skeptic. Mike, how are you tonight? I just ate, so I'm doing okay. We're going to get some major burps <coughs> this time of the paranormal, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, and we also have Mr. David Davis with us. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I ate an hour ago. Okay. So, so you can go swimming. Yes, yes, I can. Good to know. All right, fantastic. Well, uh, have we got any housekeeping to take care of other than the fact that I want to announce it again? If you review us on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, we will read your reviews on the show. Now, that being said, we don't have any reviews this week, so be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and review us. Give us as many stars as you would like, and we will review you and uh, expect your treatment to be uh, relevant to your review. (laughs) So, yeah. So, you guys ready for an episode of uh, some serious hardcore bullshit? As always. Sure, why not? All right, well, this week, we're going to be tackling Mr. Ingo Swan in his unfortunately titled book, Penetration, mm-hmm. which is about remote viewing and alien <clears throat> conspiracies, and you can oh. find it at the link in this week's document. So, so did you say Ingo, I, I, uh, Swan? Uh, yes. Yes, yes, I Because every time you say that, that's what I think. No, no, no. Ingo. Swan. Instead of suave. Yes, no, I get it. You didn't sound like you were getting it. I get it. I just, I have a different way of hearing it. There's a link to this book on Amazon in the document. You can find it. Uh, hardback, softcover, or uh, for your Kindle. Uh and honestly, there is some decent stuff in there. So let's uh, talk about... That's not the impression I got from no, the no, 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 weeks the... of torture I've heard about. I know, but the first part of this book <clears throat> is fun. Like It's like an old school uh, John Keel book before he got jaded and fed up with the UFO phenomenon. Mm. It's got a lot of uh, spicy content. <laughs> so let's get going. Uh, Ingo Swan was born in 1933 in Colorado, and uh, up until David started digging into it, that's all I knew about his early life. Now, David, you found, like, a lot of stuff about this guy. Yeah, like, some stuff that, like, I, uh, I, I didn't know. Like, I've heard of Ingo Swan before, but, um, specifically, uh, we'll, we'll get to that towards the end, because we're probably yeah. going to end up doing another episode about this guy. Yeah, there's enough to do an episode specifically about Ingo himself, not just mm-hmm. this topic, but we'll, we'll get to that. Now, uh, his life really becomes interesting for me, uh, specifically for this story, around the time he started working in the psychic Cold War with the USSR as part of the Stargate Project. He just, Mike. Um, okay. That's that's a term from the 60s. Sure. <laughs> he described himself as, uh, in the book, as dense and slow on the uptake, and then goes on to portray himself as uh, intelligent in penetration. I guess something finally got through. Oh, it got through all right. <laughs> oh, yes. 
so the Stargate project involved taking subjects with psychic aptitude and having them attempt to see targets in out-of-body experiences. Now, the whole thing started, and this is my favorite part of this whole operation. The whole thing started because the USSR tricked us into thinking they were working on a similar project to waste our money and resources. And this op worked so well that the Russians began to worry that they were falling behind in the field of psychic warfare and started their own project. So let's just kind of consider this a really big self-own. <laughs> well, <Do> you- <laughs> so a similar thing happened with uh, with the space shuttle. Did it? Yeah, the, the mm-hmm. space shuttle, uh, the Russians looked at it and thought, there, there must be something we're missing, seeing how we designed it and everything. So they, they built their own, and then building it, they realized, oh, well, it, it's not as great as we thought it was. Now, now, see, the whole montage to this situation is set to the album Suffering from Success by DJ Khaled. <laughs> another one. There's, a, there's another one, a similar situation. It's another I one. I can't remember it, though. <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing another yeah. U.S. Do, does something in Russia. Yeah. Well, I just love that Russia it started it. it. Yeah, so it was back mm-hmm. and forth. I'm just yeah, like, I'm no, sorry. I just... Yeah, and, and this and thing Ru- that we're we're discussing here also, if you've ever seen the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats, I love that movie. This so this is literally much. what it's about. It is sort of thing. Go yeah. watch that movie. It is fantastic. If you're interested in the sort of stuff we talk about, it's great. They also uh, the fact that they, it's you and McGregor, and they keep saying we're gonna make you a Jedi, and I'm like, oh, this is fucking classic right mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. You and McGregor, Jedi, the whole goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, by the late 60s, Swan had started working at the Stanford Research Institute, which was supposed to be a think tank to solve the world's problems. And instead, they started uh, looking into using psychics for some of the same purposes as the Sargate Project, but also for finding resources like gold and oil. Of course. Which, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Simon. Mm, no. But the basic idea is that a government research uh, group meant to solve the world's problems gets bored and starts fucking with people. Mm. Anyway, during this period, uh, around 1971, Ingo Swan, Russell Targ, and Harold Putoff, who are possibly the three most unfortunately named men in history next to Nandor Fodor develop and name the concept of remote viewing. Now, now they sound like the Vampire Council from What We Do in the Shadows. Now, see, <laughs> I haven't seen that show, but I need to. And it's so I'm good. Just, I'm just going to assume you're right there. <laughs> Mike, have you seen it? Mm, no. The, the American series? No. Okay. Well, <clears throat> nonetheless, I love the names Ingo Swan, Russell Targ, and Harold Putoff. <laughs> so... Uh, for those that don't know, remote viewing is the process of sensing details about an object, location, or person, any of these three things are referred to as the target, uh, mentally from a distance. It's pretty self-explanatory. Now, to make sure the viewer was not influenced by the name of a place, like, say, in his case, he mentions New York City, uh, Swan developed what has been referred to as the 
coordinate ordinate system. I'm going to let that sink in, the coordinate ordinate system. Mm. So that the subject would have no preconceived notion of the location and what they would find there. Now, Mike, does that make any sense, the term coordinate ordinate? N- no. Okay. See, that's what I thought <clears throat> while I'm reading the thing. I'm like, you could have just said coordinates. Because, mm-hmm. like, right now, I think you're just dumb. Hmm. So, anyway, by Swan's own admission, this work got really boring. And he claims that boredom dampens psychic abilities. Now, he told this to his bosses, and that this would affect their future experiments, so he proposed something new. Hey, hey, boss, you know what would help me psychic dive? A mountain of coke. What's that? A mountain of coke. I think we can make that happen. (laughs) So, uh, I kind of wish that is what had actually happened. And it may have. I don't know. But, uh, he would in early 1973 remote view the planet of Jupiter. Mike, get your seatbelt out. We're about to go into science territory. Oh, yeah. Now, the reason for the timing of this, it was January 1973 was that the Pioneer probes would fly by Jupiter later that year, and his viewing would either be confirmed or disproven. And Swan is a bit of an egotist and will not remote view anything that he can't get proof of at some point. Now, at this point, Swan also claimed no prior knowledge of Jupiter beyond it's the big one. The big one. The big one. The yellow one's the sun. So, here are the predictions that he made that were proven right. All right. Before the Pioneer probes and Ingo Swan, no one knew that Jupiter had rings. You know, the thin rings of Jupiter, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. Okay. He also uh, predicted that ice crystals will be observed in the atmosphere and an intense magnetic field, which, again, he doesn't know anything about astronomy. So, I mean, it, it's pretty much a given if something has an atmosphere, it's going to have some form of ice crystals in at some point. In okay, it. yeah, but, you know, again, here's the thing, and I do firmly believe this. Ingo Swan is... As far as science is concerned, a bit of an idiot. Yeah. Now, these are the three proven things that I could find. All right? Now, his disproven predictions about Jupiter. All right, Mike. Again, put your seatbelt on here. A dense, sand-covered surface. Anakin Skywalker would have hated it. Oh, yeah. No, totally. Uh, Huge mountain ranges. Vast oceans of water. Huge plains. And during this, he made no mention at all of Jupiter's moons. Now, now, I'm going to throw this in there. At uh, later... 
they there will be people saying, well, maybe that's the the solid core of Jupiter that he was seeing. Now, Swan would claim to always include his inaccurate his inaccurate predictions. Uh, to be fair, but I'm not gonna lie. I had to dig to I had to dig to find these. I'm not saying he buried them, but I did need a backhoe to find this information. <laughs> it, right? It's like. It's like the psychic re- uh, researcher's version of the disclaimer in a radio commercial. Yeah, where the, the, you know, the, you've got to get the boilerplate text in there, so they play it at oh, like yeah. two times speed. Uh huh. Yeah, yep. Mike, you know what we're talking about, yes. right? Yeah. So again, uh, Swan claims to be very fair and unbiased in this sort of stuff, but it is very hard to find some of this. Mm-hmm. So after the Jupiter stunt. A friend in Washington contacted Swan via phone saying he was going to get a phone call from now, someone. Now, now, why didn't he just call him over the psychic hotline? <clears throat> because Miss Cleo was not in business at this point. <laughs> she would me now. Yeah, I kind of feel like maybe we need to do one about Miss Cleo in the future. Right. Yeah, like psychic hotlines and stuff. So, anyway. John Edwards. Oh, my God. Fucking fake psychics. Yes, let's do it. Somebody add that to the, the, the doc. So, anyway, this guy called and said Swan was going to receive a phone call from someone and that he was never to mention this to anyone and never mention it to the friend that's calling him again. Huh. Now, Swan was intrigued because this was not the first time he has had clandestine meetings with the government at all. Because, you know, again, Stargate Project. He's done other things for the government involving psychic research. So, Mm -hmm. this isn't that strange for him. Now, the call came a month later at 3 a.m., and the call came from a Mr. Axelrod. Now, Mr. Axelrod said that if he agreed to meet him, he was going to meet them at the elephant in the rotunda of the Museum of Natural Science in Washington at noon the following day. Now, I've read up on this as well, and here's an important okay. note. Mr. Balljoint had had a prior engagement, and Mr. Pulley System <laughs> thought it was bullshit. <laughs> And what was Bob the Builder's thoughts, if I may ask? <laughs> we can build it. But I know Mr. Bendix Drive was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> Damn. Well, after this, it's I, I just want to throw in there that uh, Ingo Swan spent the rest of the night chain-smoking cigars mm-hmm. and drinking because it's pretty fucked up to get that call at 3 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Now... Booked a, fl- booked a flight, got there, and once he got to the elephant, he got some coffee, smoked a cigar, because you could smoke indoors near taxidermied animals back in the 70s. Yeah. And he was met by what I can only term as a couple of men in black, who he and we are now going to refer to as the twins. Ooh. The, like, like what a lady refers to her twins? We're going to get to that a little later, Mike. There's a, there's a whole separate thing where we talk about the uh, the twins and what that means. But I do need to talk about the twins for a minute. Because it's the only 
time I'm really going to get to, and this will tell you everything you know need to know about the perceptive powers of Ingo Swan and his writing talents. Now, Ingo describes them as exactly the same in every way, except that one was taller, one was blonde and the other brunette, one was buff and the other wasn't, they had completely different facial features, and one was Australian and the other Texan. So, you know, <clears throat> twins. But twins in every other way. Yes. Right. Kevin, you know, in I, the think, same I think way you DeVito, and I... Yeah. I think you and I can't, you know, are more twin-like than these people. <laughs> right. You know, it's the same way DeVito was a twin of Schwarzenegger. So, yeah, oh, I think yeah, we got yeah. it. We got no, it. Totally. But totally twins. In yeah. every other way, they were twins. You could have put him in a double mint gum commercial. I swear to God, man. Just totally this Texan and this Australian that look completely different and in nowhere the same were totally twins. <laughs> so one of the twins hands him a card telling him not to speak. We're going to transport you to another location. Now they shake his hand and while doing this, they check him for an identifying tattoo on his wrist that he got when he was drunk and stupid as a teenager. Oh, okay. He is then escorted to a car where he chain smokes and is told to remain silent. That takes him to the airport. He thinks he's going to CIA headquarters, but no, they go to the airport. A black sack is then placed on his head. He is taken to a helicopter and flown for what seems like ages. Now, once they landed, he was walked to an elevator and taken deep underground, taken to a room, sat in a chair, and the bag was removed from his head. Now, this reminds me of the way kids would describe, like, potential cases of satanic ritual abuse during the satanic panic. That, like, you know, the, I... the teacher took us to the bathroom and flushed mm -hmm. us down the toilet, and we went into the tunnels, and in the room, the old lady... Played, played the violin the as, yeah, yeah. as the dogs danced around. <laughs> Grandma flew around the room. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Mike, Mike, where are you taking from this so far? Like, uh, how plausible <clears throat> is this sounding from a dude that's already worked with the government in crazy shit? I, I smell something. It smells a lot like a cat box. Okay, so you're saying this is not bullshit, but cat shit. Something. It's, it's, smelling, it's smelling fishy. Okay. All right. I gotcha. Now, enter Mr. Axelrod. Not without his permission, though. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know that Ingo would deny anyone at this point. It's a set. It's a late seventies, and he <clears throat> frequented uh Turkish bathhouses. Uh, I was actually gonna say Studio Fifty Four, but mm -hmm. close enough. Well, but you're saying enter Mr. Mr. Axelrod, so maybe Mr. Axelrod is letting the entering go. That, anyway, that was, long story short, it's a penetration joke. There, yes, there's also, a lot of penetration jokes here. Yeah, and also enter Mr. Axelrod wasn't my favorite Metallica song. Yeah, no, I thought their second version, Enter Sandman, was better, but, you know, give them credit for the demo. <laughs> now, sitting in front of Mr. Swan is the gentleman he describes as jovial and pleasant, and then describes every interaction with him as the exact opposite of this. <clears throat> he is often terse and will answer no questions 
and gives Swan the option of working for them for $1,000 a day. He has a series of targets that he wants Swan to view, and all of his needs will be provided, including cigars, during his stay. And the twins will be his constant companion. So, you know, going by what Swan's interpretation of what the twins are, technically Mike and I are the twins of your Ingo Swan, Kevin. God damn it. (laughs) Okay, which one of you is Australian, which one's Texan? G'day, mate. Oh, throw okay. another shrimp on the barbie. All right, mate. Nah, All right, I, I can't Mike. Do did you just well. get back from uh, the outback? I mean, the restaurant, not the place. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're gonna go to a bush party. I, I can't do that. An Australian accent. So. F- wow, y'all both <laughs> suck at Australian accents. Yeah. Good I suck know. at every accent. Okay, that's fair. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm glad we got that out of, out of the way, that neither of you can do an Australian accent. That's going forward. I'll keep that in mind while writing Crikey. stuff. Crikey. Wow, look at that kangaroo. So, <laughs> now, Swan is really nervous about this, but he does admit that his financial situation is pretty shit at the moment. It's because he's fucking mainlining cigars. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tipperillo, so I, I don't know how to ex- how expensive those are, but yes, he is flat out chain smoking <clears throat> Tipperillos. I think those are like the cheapest ones. Probably so, but I mean, considering he's chain smoking them, he agrees. <clears throat> uh, now, Mister Axelrod then tells him he cannot discuss what they're doing for at least ten years. Due to national security, which again, nothing new to our man Swan, but uh, they don't make him sign anything. They say we don't leave a paper trail with what we're doing. You're gonna be paid a thousand dollars in cash every day, and uh, geez, what year was this? Uh, 1973, uh, 75. That's like a lot of money, that's like Mm -hmm. more than 10 grand a day today. I know. And I'm sitting here going, how do I get in this line of business? Pretend to be a remote viewer? I can do that. You you have morals and, you know, standards, though. Yeah, okay. I sure as hell don't. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) You've proven that. So, Swan is reminded again that he can ask no questions about this operation. So, he immediately asks, where am I viewing? (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess you now, have to know that at least. I guess. No questions. La- yeah. Well, last I checked, uh, he said he didn't want this kind of information, so he wouldn't have any preconceived notions about where he was viewing. So He's, he's not the most consistent guy, though, either. He's not terribly well, bright, either. Wouldn't you in remote viewing have to know where you're supposed to be That's viewing? That's why the coordinates... Oh, so they give they give him coordinates, and he just goes to those coordinates <clears throat> mentally, and then that's how they judge how accurate it, uh, it is. That, that is the most hardcore geocaching experience I've like, ever yeah, heard of. No kidding. Psychic <clears throat> geocaching is the new thing. Psychocaching. Psychocaching. <laughs> I kind of want to start a band now. So, <laughs> Axel, as Mister Swan starts referring to him, says the moon. And at this point, Ingo Swan loses his shit. From just someone saying the moon. Because it's like, and I'm like, you fucking remote view Jupiter. 
you're in the moon is like holy shit balls. Well, it is a harsh mistress. I, okay, sure, if you're Robert Heinlein. Anyway, he hears this and immediately has to go to bed. <laughs> Just so he, like a Victorian woman who like holy shit the moon. Oh. News. Like I'm a fucking to the fainting couch. Yeah, there's a fucking fainting couch. He passes out. Anyway, there is actually some discussion before that about like psychic mm-hmm. shit that is so well, stupid. I did so, not cover, but so he does go immediately to bed after talking. So here's a thing, though: is they would have to tell him because they couldn't give him a coordinate for yes, the moon. Exactly. So the next morning they start. Now, since this is a black op, they already know his coordinate ordinate system. And yes, I'm going to keep calling that Mike so, just to make your brain explode. So, so I looked it up. Uh-huh. Ordinate is a term in mathematics. So we have the abscissa and ordinate, which are the X and Y axes. Okay. So the ordinate is the Y axis, is a, is a uh-huh. point on the Y axis. And the abscissa is a point on the x-axis. Okay, so so it, saying coordinate ordinate is like saying ATM machine. Okay, <laughs> so it, it's because one it's of old the, man speak. The ordinate is already part of the coordinate. Okay, well they knew his system because <laughs> they're black op, obviously. But his coordinates. Yes, so they have divided the moon up so that they can use this system. On the moon, all right, which that makes sense. Fine, if he knows the planet, you can use the coordinates, right? Um, does he know these coordinates? It doesn't matter, it does because Mike, from in the book, (laughs) it doesn't matter, but it does matter. Well, if he's a remote viewer, they should be able to give him these numbers, and as a remote viewer, he should be able to. He just fucking knows, he's psychic, Mike. That's that's like telling dropping me off in Japan and telling me go to, you know, an address and I have no frame. You have to have a frame of reference. You can't just like I mean, you can if you're bullshitting. Yes, you can just say, oh, I can psychically figure it out. Like and you're, which, you're which thinking real deep on this. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm using this as more fuel to the fire of the bullshit pyre. OK, that's fair. So, again, they've divided the moon up in a way that he can use his coordinate ordinance system. And uh, Swan then asks for complete silence during his viewings, except for the coordinates, so he can accurately describe what he is seeing and interpret it. Now, at this point, I want to go ahead and mention that what he is using is what he calls his, quote, reality hopper. Now, I'm going to leave that dangling there like a like a nut sack until later <clears throat> to try to, and he uses his, quote, reality hopper to describe what he's seeing. Now, the coordinates are given, and Swan approaches the moon, which he says looks larger in the psychic world than it does in real life, while the sun looks smaller than it does in real life. Okie dokie. Right. Now, he sees what you would expect on the moon once arriving. Rocks, dirt, craters, etc. Cheese. I was led to believe there would be cheese. 
Uh, you would be wrong, sir, unfortunately. Son of a bitch. No cheese on them. Again, I get tricked by Wallace and Gromit. You are fucked, sir. (laughs) So, the second set of coordinates is given. And Swan finds himself looking at a cliff. And at the top of the cliff is a constructed framework uh, that he describes as something similar to what you'd see on a playground set of monkey bars, but on a much larger scale. And it has large spotlights on the top. And he immediately snaps back and says he must have messed up and ended up back on Earth because there's no way that's on the moon. Now, Mr. Axelrod gives him the coordinates again and he gets the same thing. Now, Axelrod keeps asking him questions about the area, which is, of course, something that Swan told him fucking not to do because no one in this fucking story can obey questions <laughs> or, or they can obey instructions. And I'm getting pissed at them constantly. So Obey the questions. Obey the questions. <clears throat> obey the question from DC Comics. Anyway, it's at this point that Swan notices tire tracks all over the ground. Dun, 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 dun. Now again, Swan snaps back to the room they're in. And at this point in the book, Swan has a one-sided argument with Axelrod about just what he saw. Now, Axelrod doesn't answer any questions, but he lets Swan work out on his own that he was, in fact, on the moon, and the structure and tracks were not left by humans. Now, Swan says he needs a nap and then proceeds to go to sleep for a full 24 hours. <laughs> Which is a respectable nap for people Happy like time. me during the 2020 pandemic. Okay, yeah, that's understandable. Again, this is 1975, and he's mm-hmm. just been imagining the moon mm-hmm. for about 20 minutes in the morning. Again, this is like... 9 a.m., and he goes to sleep for 24 hours. (laughs) Takes a lot out of the poor guy. I swear to God, man, I don't know. I mean, like, he needs, like, an energy drink or, like, some protein shakes or something. So, (laughs) the next day, when he wakes up, they start again, and Swan is a little better prepared mentally. He has what he saw previously in his, quote, reality hopper, as he calls it. (laughs) So he can interpret what he's seeing more accurately, okay? All right. So, all right. So the next set of coordinates are given, and he approaches the moon, and he finds himself near a large domed structure next to a crater. And there is a green light coming from the windows and decides to give it a closer look. And inside are dozens of beings. Now, he said that these creatures look very similar to us. Basically humans, but somehow different. And they're also butt naked. Yeah. Butt naked. On the moon. On the moon. In a dome. Naked moon dome. Naked moon dome. Now, at this point... Probably the most terrifying part of this story uh, happens. 
And uh, as his, uh, let's call it his astral form, is standing there on the surface of the moon, looking in a window at aliens, one of them turns to the window and points at him. Oof. And the other aliens turn and look as well. And Ingo says, I think they can see me. And Axelrod says, All right, I want you to calm Millie, but very quickly leave there immediately. But now. Fuck. So Ingo returns to the chair, and Axelrod tells him their work is done. But he looks at Axelrod and asks, You know they're psychic already, don't you? Hmm. Now he's taken back to the elephant in the same way he was taken from the elephant and makes his way back to New York. Now, now see, I've heard the elephant is unforgettable. Really? Yes. I haven't heard anything about the elephant, but Mike, what do you think so far? Um, <clears throat> about, about the, uh, you know, the whole seeing them and the guy saying, you know, your work's done and everything. I'm, I'm really curious to hear what our skeptic has to say. I mean, what 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 would I say? I mean, <clears throat> if you know, see, I think it's really funny that they offer him a thousand dollars a day, and he works for uh, right two days. <laughs> did he get paid yeah. to take a nap? <laughs> he did actually. Nap he got paid. <laughs> I want a thousand dollars for a nap. I want seventy-five money. I want nap pay, dude. If I could get like. <laughs> Modern day equivalent, like you said, ten grand, something like. Let me. You want you want to know the actual conversion? I do, Mike. Could you please so, look uh, up the uh, the the equivalent of nineteen seventy five one thousand dollars to today's money? So from nineteen seventy five, it's here. It's a thousand dollars. Yes, and twenty twenty two. Okay, so I was I I was off by a factor of two. It was like five thousand five hundred dollars. That's a lot of goddamn. Still money. a lot of money. That's a <clears> lot <throat> of money for two days sitting that's in a like, chair imagining things. That's like, like no, you know, it, it was three days, right? Because he starts the one day, takes the twenty four hour nap, and then the third day is when he does the thing, and the aliens see him on the moon. Well, yes. I, I think they would only pay him for his actual viewing. No, stuff, I think though. they. Factored in travel, too. These guys well, seem not shockingly accommodating. Not, not travel, but naps. No, I think they paid him for the I, naps. I, I think it was part of the hazard pay because it took a I lot see. out of yeah. him. It tuckered him out. Because, like, here's the thing I didn't mention. They Like they said, they knew he liked to work early in the morning. So, like... <clears throat> so, so three days. Three days. So, it's $3,000. Fifteen grand. So, it's 16500 Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, okay. I need in on this. I, I'm sorry, Kevin, but the government no longer pays, you know, sham psychics. That we know of. I'm pretty sure they don't anymore. All right. Well, <clears throat> that being said, let's talk about the supermarket. Maybe, maybe you can get in with the, uh, with the like, the Homeland Security or something. Maybe. I don't know. But Convince <laughs> them you can remote view. Terrorists. Pre- I don't know. Terrorists or something. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, they're at a they're in an airport. <laughs> I sense they're somewhere in the Middle East. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> see, you're way better at this than me. I, I, I see sand, and they're, they're shooting AK-47. They seem oh. to be upset with America. They have, a, they have a stronghold somewhere. One of them seems to be really into Seinfeld. I see beards. <laughs> many, many beards. And they're Maybe they come from the, Casa Doom. They're oppressing oh, the hell out of their women. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the supermarket for a bit. The, the super, you mean like, like where I buy groceries? Yes. Okay. So for about a year, Swan has gone back to his regular life and work, and he doesn't think a lot about what he saw, despite losing his shit over aliens on the moon at Axelrod. That, 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 that sounds like a significant emotional and life experience. Now, I mean, he could be in denial, I guess. Now, <clears throat> in all fairness... He claims it's because he believes he could have imagined the whole thing because that's how fucking remote viewing works, and I'm kind of stunned by the honesty in that statement. He, he admitted <laughs> it could be all bullshit. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I give him some credit for that, dude. <laughs> so Ingo takes his trip to Los Angeles for a while to stay with a quote-unquote friend of his in what he now only refers to as La La Land. Literally, every time Los Angeles comes up for the rest of the book, it is La La Land. And I swear to God, this must have tickled him so... You know, as long as he doesn't explain jazz to us, then I'll allow it. Okay, that's fine. But, like, it just killed me. Mm -hmm. So, while in Los Angeles, he and his friend decide to play a couple of lesbian conspiracy theorists they know with dinner and wine... So they can get some juicy information out of them. I look. I know how that sounds. Yeah. No. That's... Now, just <clears throat> remember, this was written by an old man writing in 1998. A whole eternity like, away. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, that's like 24 years. ago. I know, but I'm and old, even and it then, seems like even then, it's 47 years ago that this happened. You know, it's weird how time flies is when uh, I, I was recording another podcast earlier today and we we're talking about like Hocus Pocus. I thought it came out 20 years ago. No, it fucking came out 30 years ago. Jesus people, Christ. People Where's your when, gun, Mike? Yeah. People Safely born hidden. when that movie came out are adults Fuck. now. Yeah, they come in our store frequently. <laughs> <sighs> so anyway, they go to the grocery store. And uh, they're going to buy a bunch of uh, stuff to make a sumptuous dinner for these two uh, conspiracy theorist lesbians that they know, which have one of them's a doctor. The other one is actually a, uh, a, a government stooge, for lack of a better term. Now, this all sounds like the setup to a joke. Doesn't it? Yeah, so, cause, so, cause, so two conspiracy-believing <laughs> lesbians walk into a grocery store. One is And then they put a cork spook. in one of them. Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but m like 99... 100% of conspiracy people I hear about are white dudes. I know. Like, where where they dig these people up? I know. I, I don't know. But, I mean, he's got a lot of weird connections thanks to his government work. So, like, I'm willing to buy this. Well, and then also the um, art scene and the gay community as well, which we'll, we'll yes. talk about a little bit later. We'll, it's, we'll it's get into that. Fascinating you know, guy. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, totally. Now, he's planning on making this one particular dish that involves stuffed artichokes, uh, mm. crabbed, 
uh, imitation crab stuffed into artichokes. I don't know why that's stuck in my head. Probably because I'm like, that sounds good, actually. That does sound really good. I love artichokes. Oh, uh, no. So while browsing the artichokes, Ingo notices a gorgeous woman wearing almost nothing, also looking at the artichokes. So he decides to go check out the melons. And I wish I was making a joke here, but that's pretty much how this chapter's written. The son of a bitch. I know. <laughs> it's just fucking, it's like I said, it's like a fucking uh, John Keel book all mm-hmm. of a sudden. So this chick is tall. She's wearing like six inch heels, a tiny halter top. And Daisy Dukes with jet black hair, and she is well endowed by Mother Nature, and she is also wearing comically large sunglasses. This is literally Tanya Roberts in Tourist Trap. God damn it. <laughs> All right, so as he goes over and is ogling her breasts, which I'm starting to wonder about that. Mm-hmm. What? Him actually ogling her breasts. Do you think this is like a beard? Uh, oh yeah, well, yeah. We'll we'll have to get into that in another episode, we'll, but we'll talk about it later. So, mm-hmm. but he suddenly becomes convinced psychically that she's an alien because no earthly mm-hmm. woman can look that good. I'm gonna let that hang in the air for a second. And see if anything. Well, I see a lot of aliens at work. Uh, what attractive women? Yes. Okay. So. He becomes suddenly nervous, sweating, and that's when he sees them. The twins! The not-twin twins. No, not her boobs! So, they're at either end of the aisle, unsuccessfully trying to look like regular shoppers. (laughs) So Swan grabs his shitty artichokes because he doesn't have time to check them and runs to the checkout line and gets to his car where his friend has been waiting because he got the meats. He's Arby's. Yes. So 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 these twins are they tw- are they twins from the from other parents? Shut up. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. I know. So Ingo gets in the car with the groceries, and he waits until the woman comes out, and he looks at his friend and says, "Hey, you see her? Do you notice anything weird about her?" And the guy. He's gone to the grocery store with says, who the alien chick? (laughs) So Swan loses his shit over this. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sure. (laughs) So then at dinner, he's getting his lesbian friends drunk on red wine. And uh, they're warning him. Oh, Ingo, you have to stay away from all the aliens here in L.A. (laughs) <laughs> so, again, not hugely relevant to what's going on here, but Ingo Swan's sexuality during the 1980s is super interesting. Uh, he did not appear to be a stranger to the gay community. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what's really got me wondering about this whole story. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe she was an alien because he's gay? I don't know. Well, and he might be writing to the audience of UFO nerds who are, let's face it. Uh, uh, straight white males? Yeah, or socially awkward Sis? straight white males who like pulp yeah, okay. stuff, so... Yeah, hey, shut up. <laughs> I feel called out here. No no judgments, no judgments. Okay. Let's just let's be honest yeah. with what we're thinking. Okay, so 
after the supermarket in the night of discussing aliens and uh, conspiracy theories. He's back in New York for a couple of weeks, and he gets a phone call from a mysterious woman that sounds like a secretary saying, uh, Mr. Swan, someone would like to speak to you, but they need to speak to you on a different phone. So we need you to go to uh, Grand Central Station and wait by the clock. You know that central kiosk thing with the schedules yeah. on it that's got the big round clock on top sure. that got destroyed in the Avengers? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Avengers because that is exactly what I was thinking of. Okay, great. Yeah. All right, so he goes there, doesn't see anybody. Of course, he's chain-smoking the entire time, gets a coffee. <laughs> And uh, as is usual, of course, with his mysterious nature, uh, he, he just decides he's just going to obey fucking mysterious phone calls from no one in particular. Anyway. Oh, yeah. As well, you do. Uh, okay, but here's the thing. Like, if, <clears throat> if they tell him, hey, don't ask any questions, he's going to ask a fucking question. But when it comes right. time to put his body on the line to go to a second location, he's like, okay. Yeah, I don't second really understand. Yeah, whatever. I mean, this is like the perfect way to get killed by a serial killer. <laughs> so, he's there and waiting, drinking his coffee, and then looks up, and there is one of the twins dressed as a hobo. Oh. And he, like, nods off over to the side, and he follows the twin to a payphone. The twin goes in the payphone booth, Dials a number, leaves a receiver sitting on a little tray in the phone booth, which I'm sure we just lost, like, every young person listening. <laughs> but, uh, on the phone, as he goes in and picks up the receiver, of course, is Mr. Axelrod. Now, I like how Axelrod is the only one of the two who talks, because they give me a real Jay and Silent Bob vibe. You know, the twins do speak, but, like, nothing they say matters. Okay. So I've kind of left it out because it's basically like, Mr. Axelrod, how are you doing today? You should probably not lift those weights. <laughs> it's 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 very, you know, how are you today? Is that a pen? I would like to see your pen. Yeah. It's very man in black. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about in Off the Rack Assholes. So. Yeah. Anyway, he grills Ingo for several minutes about his interaction in the supermarket with the woman until he's satisfied that... uh. Ingo did uh, that the woman did not instigate their interaction and that Ingo has not been compromised. He tells him that the woman is dangerous and that if he sees her again, he needs to just discreetly leave. <laughs> he okay. then tells him that, uh, Mr. Swan, when you reach 65% accuracy with your viewings. Leave a note on your desk under the ink blotter at SRI, and we'll be in touch. Uh, what is SRI? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. SRI is the Stanford Research Institute. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that was the other thing, because I'm, I'm thinking, like, okay, so getting paid $1,000 for, like, uh, a day for this three-day thing, um, he was working with the government. At this point, was he still working with the government officially? Uh, a bit. He was actually working with uh, the Stanford Research Institute, and I've okay. got more information on that later when we get to the uh, the remote viewing section. Okay, yeah, cause it, because it's we're going to talk things... about the origins of it, uh, yeah. who came up with it, and his work with uh, SRI and the government. 
because yeah. another thing is like that, like that constant travel he seems to be doing that I'm completely envious of. It's like, oh, how's yes, he making no, that money? Like coast to coast, constantly. Yeah. Uh, to basically go, I think there's gold there. <laughs> Maybe I'm halfway right, perhaps. <laughs> So, so, so he's not even sixty five percent yet either. He's not. Yeah, even 65% no, no. He's correct. like ha- he's like fifty percent right, maybe some of the times. We could do this. We could, I could literally do, it. do this. Like I am, I am already a remote viewer, and I haven't made a prediction because I'm fifty percent right on everything <laughs> I guess. Like you're a remote viewer. At sure, this why point. not? Yeah. So, anyway, after all this cloak and dagger bullshit, Axelrod hits the 65% mark, and he writes the number 65 on a piece of paper, puts it under his ink blotter on the desk, and then one morning he comes in to his locked office and finds the note missing with with a wait for contact written in dust on his desk. Okay, now you All said right. Axelrod got to 65%. You mean Swan. I'm sorry, Swan, okay. yes. I'm sorry, okay. the names are ridiculous. Right, right. Sorry, my bad. No worries. Anyway, so after this, a couple of weeks later, as he's leaving the lunchroom, Axelrod and the twins show up at SRI, and they take Ingo on a very long flight north, possibly to Alaska, but we're not sure. Uh, telling him, we're going to show you a UFO. <laughs> That's the fuck yeah, man. Road trip. Hell yeah, UFO. dude. Do it. I want, th- I want this shit. I want this <laughs> to happen to me. I want someone to show up at the liquor store and go, hey, Kevin, you want to see a UFO? Hey, I'll you want to see a dead yeah. body? I, hey, Nick, I quit. I'm going to see UFOs. <laughs> uh, seeing UFOs won't pay your rent. Okay, that's true, but fuck. Did you get a photo of it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know that nope is a viable uh, industry. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look at look at all the people that have made bunches of money off of pictures of UFOs. Okay, oh, you know, nobody. Actually, actually, we're going to have to talk about uh, that guy in Sweden with the cult. Billy okay. Meyer, that's okay. his name. Billy Meyer with the cult of his photographs of UFOs and his time travel photos of uh, dinosaurs. Well, you'd have to start a cult. I'm talking about like uh, well, yeah, legitimately but I mean, making money off your UFO photographs. Well, legitimate is such a strong word. Okay, <laughs> uh, how about making money in a way you can live with yourself? I don't know. I did. Re- yeah. Okay, that's fair. All right. In in a way so, that you know you find morally. Acceptable? Acceptable. Yes. All right. Fair. Now, the flight is a long one. And the drive from this remote Alaskan airport, which is a single building with a single runway, is even longer. And then the hike from the vehicle to the lake, the ridge by the lake, is longer still in pitch blackness. Now, the twins during all this have night vision goggles and are guiding him by the arm so he doesn't like to trip and fall in streams and shit. They, they sound like the agents from the Venture Brothers for the Guild of Calamitous Intent. God damn it. <laughs> you know, I have a feeling everything we talk about could pretty much be linked back to the Venture Brothers. Or, or Futurama. 
Yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> Everything pretty much goes back to something that came on Adult Swim. Some sort of animated te- uh, television show. Yeah, I, I can't <laughs> wait for us to tackle something that links to Tom Goes to the Mayor. <laughs> Jefferson so, alive. So they sit there on this ridge over the lake, and Axelrod warns him to not move and make no sounds, and that they'd know when it was happening. Now, I just imagine this moment where they're just kind of sitting there in silence looking over this lake, and then, like, Ingo's like, you know what, let's come back here in ten years and see where we're at. (laughs) Now, I do think it's funny that they do, like, one of them does go, don't light a fucking cigar. (laughs) Yeah, because you know he was just chain-smoking the whole hike over. Yeah, no, seriously, there was just, like, just a trail of Tipperillo butts. That's why the fucking hike took so long, because he couldn't breathe. He had to stop. (laughs) You know, a mortal injury died of lung cancer. Oh, man. (laughs) More than likely. So, as the sun is just starting to rise and pearl the horizon, a mist covers the lake, which seems perfectly normal at first. And then this, it sort of gathers, and this hole opens in space. And a tiny, tiny diamond-shaped craft appears and immediately starts growing. And it immediately starts firing lasers into the woods, incinerating deer. And they really hate deer. And then sucking water into a large hatch on the bottom of the ship from the lake. Now, now this just sounds like Peaceful Rest Valley from Earthbound for the Super Nintendo. Because you get those little diamond uh, uh, UFOs that fly around. Fuck those things, man. (laughs) Holy shit, I didn't know the bit about the fucking deer getting lit up. Oh my god. Yeah, no, they're getting incinerated. (laughs) No wonder you didn't... Shoot deer and drink water. (laughs) (laughs) No no wonder you didn't put that in the outline, because you wanted that reaction. I was like, holy shit. Oh, yes, no, absolutely. They're shooting deer and raccoons left and right with lasers. (laughs) Couple rednecks get a UFO. Suck up water. Now, the twins immediately are like, fuck, and grab Axelrod, drag him and Axelrod down the gully, just in time to avoid getting vaporized, and they hide under a rock ledge like in Lord, like in a Fellowship of the Ring when the uh, the birds are coming by. Or, or the ring race when they're, the hobbits are hiding under the root of that Yes, tree. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and they hide under there for like half an hour. Now, Swan takes, like, a leg injury on, like, some kind of a rooter, on a stick or a root or something at this point. Uh, they throw Axelrod so Hardy, Hardy breaks a rib. The twins are just, like, freaking out. Everybody's, like, trying to hold their breath. So so it's great that this this society created, like, vapor, vaporizo laser technology, but not thermal vision. Um, Yeah. I don't know, man. Can't see them behind a log. Yep. Therefore, they don't exist. Yep. Nope. Just like Predator. They had mud or snow or something. <laughs> Their vision's know. based on movement. <laughs> That's oh, why those like deer God. got lit up. That's why they're those like deer God. got lit up. <laughs> yeah. No. The deer were walking around. Yeah. It's, uh, no. It makes perfect sense. So it's coming right for us. <laughs> after they get out, they bandage Swan's wound, and uh, they head back to the airport where... The twins find a hot dog cart and start eating hot dogs. Wait, what? 
Yeah. Like in the woods. No, no, no. At the oh. airport. Oh, at the airport. Sorry. At the airport. I, with this I, tiny I, one. I blanked out. Yeah. This... <clears throat> I was still, I was still thinking about the, uh, the, 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 the deer vaporizing. No. Is I, that I don't how Bambi's you. mom went out? Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Oh, I thought you meant the hot dogs. That too. She's eating too many hot dogs. She died of a fucking coronary. That's what got her. It wasn't the shotgun. So, uh, anyway, the twins are eating hot dogs at the airport for some reason. And then uh, they get on the airplane. And Axelrod and Swan start discussing what they saw. And it turns out Axelrod wanted to know if uh, Ingo sensed anything from the ship. And he said, no. I mean, I wasn't trying to sense anything, so we are getting shot at by fucking lasers. I, 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 I sense malicious intent. I, yes, no, it's <laughs> like it's like all those times Deanna Troy was like, I think they're hostile. What gave you the clue? The phasers? <laughs> yeah, no, it's basically that. So, anyway, he's like, I didn't fucking sense anything, but it's probably <laughs> remote controlled. Mm. And uh, they're probably here to get resources. And uh, Swan really thinks, and he is absolutely convinced, it's the Moon Men he saw. So it's always the Moon Men. I, I, I hate I hate to go back to the hot dog thing. The hot dog detail is weird, <laughs> but I also get it because I stopped by Costco after work today for a hot dog, so I get it. Okay. That's fair. Because, like, seriously, here's the thing. First off, I think he threw it in there partly for the high strangeness factor of these two dudes. <laughs> Like, I left out the part where they climb out from the ledge and just immediately start pissing. But, like, there's a lot of, like, high strangeness with right. with the twins. And well, the hot dogs just kind of is the exclamation point well, on the end of it. And it's also how they ate the hot dogs, because they didn't chew them. It just basically just kind of slid them down oh, their throats oh, like oh, a, oh, a pelican. Oh, 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 oh. So. Oh, yeah. Just, just, just one just, log. Just, Fucking yeah, just fucking just, full just throated them, neck necking them dogs. <laughs> it's like when you, it's that video of the pelican that eats the pigeon. Yeah, oh <laughs> god, or it tries to eat the capybara. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is the last time he ever saw the twins or in, or uh, Mr. Axelrod uh, in his life because Aww. Axelrod said we're being replaced on this project. So, yeah, because you almost got shot by the Moonanites. Yes. <laughs> it's always sad when your friends move on. Yeah. yeah. So, that was the end of part one of the book. Okay. <laughs> ends, with, ends with hot dog necking. Yeah, hot dog necking and an airplane ride of confusion. So, uh, we're going to take a very quick break, and we'll be right back with part two, entitled... The goddamn book. <laughs> we will be. All right, welcome back. This is the goddamned book portion of the episode. <laughs> now, and I just want to point out that the header of this part of the document literally reads the goddamned book. So is this like meta? Is this about the book? This is about the book. Okay. And the second and third portions of the book. All right. So I was really excited when I first started reading this because that first story is pretty fucking gripping. It's fun. I was like, wow, this is great. I can't it had hot dogs. Yeah. I mean, it had hot dogs, men in black, strange An people elephant. showing up. 
an elephant. Yeah, it had all this great stuff. I was like, I can't wait for parts two and three. And then I got to them. And uh, before we get into the infuriating nature of what the rest of this book is about, mm-hmm. we need to talk about the infuriating nature in which it is written. Ooh. The first part of the book, which we just covered, ends with the statement, and I quote, In order to get at these suggestive issues, we can ignore what has been presented in this part one, which, after all, is only a personal tale. Instead, we can profit by approaching the issues by reviewing two categories of evidence, even if some of it is only circumstantial. We will begin by examining some of the evidence about the anomalous nature of the moon. The second part. Sorry, go ahead. I I, I was just going to, like, make weird sounds in confusion. Okay. Stupid. Yeah. The second part immediately begins. The major purpose of this section is not to present evidence of anything, but to show that evidence does not seem to matter. This isn't fucking whose line is it anyway. You cannot do the points don't matter. I swear to God, I almost threw my fucking Kindle across the room. I'm about to throw you across the room. God damn it. It's just like, do you understand the anger I felt just at that first sentence? (laughs) I mean, like, God damn. Fucking damn it. Jesus Christ. Okay, so, that being said, the second part of the book, which is divided into three sections, the fun part, the shit part, and the more shit part, (laughs) uh, Ingo Swan uses his own form of terminology and lexicon that we're going to have to get used to, and I've made some points so we can discuss a little bit of it, all right? Okay. All right. First off, we're going to start with the one that I've already used, which is Reality Hopper. As mentioned, this is basically what he calls his own fucking life experience, which he uses as a big, stupid baby man to explain his visual headaches that he calls <laughs> fucking visions. I'm starting to sense um, a, a feeling about this from you. I'm, you now, think? I'm a remote viewer. Okay, so good. I'm, I'm I, s- em- empathically sensing an emotion of frustration. Yes, thank you, counselor. <laughs> All right, the second term you need to know is Earthside. Humans. Okay. Human governments, organizations, religions, militaries, and anything else he fucking sees fit, including the fucking moon sometimes. <laughs> so the moon is Earthside. Sometimes. Sometimes. All right. The third term is space side. This is anything alien, non-human intelligences, UFOs, men in black, women in the supermarket, maybe Axelrod and the twins, and anything he fucking sees fit, including the fucking moon sometimes. <laughs> so, so he doesn't grasp that, you know, defining terms is supposed to make things more clear. I want you to understand that nothing in this book makes anything clearer. So then it is just a fever dream in print. It's like someone vomited synesthesia. I don't know. Information packets is our next term. Information I'm sorry. Information packages. 
It's like what Amazon sends me. Data and information that we gather. You know, what we fucking learn. <laughs> also, information we are presented that may or may not be true. Or maybe it is true. I don't fucking know at this point, guys. <laughs> Lastly is phase locking. I, isn't that what they did in Star Trek? Like, now, mm-hmm. I... Jesus Christ, I fucking read this shit. Basically, anything from groupthink, mob mob mentality, or people just being assholes to him, like the Society for Psychical Research, which threw him out for being a Scientologist. Careful, Kevin, you're being a suppressive person. Motherfucker, I have a copy of Dianetics right here. You don't call (laughs) me a suppressive person until I start (laughs) shitting on him. Yeah, you USP. The only ever other person I ever knew with a copy of Dianetics was a giant piece of shit that exploited me in junior high. Who was that? Uh, just some guy that, like, I don't know, he's okay. a little weasel dude. Okay. Wow. I got, <laughs> I got harsh. Yeah. Anyway, now you're asking yourself, Kevin, what does all this mean? Nothing. It means that reading this meant that after every paragraph of a sentence, I had to stop, decipher what I just read, understand it, and then move on. And what did I discover after all this? That Ingo Swan is now knee-deep in moon conspiracy and how it ties into his career tanking after Yuri Geller said he was a genius. Ah, Yuri Geller, a name I've not heard in a long time. The mark of quality. Yeah, I swear. <laughs> I feel like he needs like a stamp with a bent spoon in it. <laughs> like they can just put on your fucking forehead if you're a psychic. Ah, uh, that bends me spoons. Oh, God. I feel like the amazing Randy's ghost should just turn up and slap all of us right <laughs> now. All right, so let's talk about the conspiracy. I'm going to try and get this down here as coherently as possible. But I have my doubts on whether this is going to be possible, given the language barrier, because I don't speak stupid. <laughs> now, Not usually. I Yeah, unless I'm reading about it. Now, this whole thing starts with the moon, obviously. And, yeah. Was that Zelda? No, it was Ginger. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, it starts with early observations of transient lunar phenomenon, which if you're one of our patrons, I have discussed while reading Unexplained. (laughs) And from here on in, we're just going to refer to as TLPs. Now, for hundreds and hundreds of years, there have actually, and this is true, been accounts of various mists, clouds, and lights crossing the lunar disk. And these things are still being sighted today, and I'm sure you can find videos of them on YouTube, and they are actually ignored by NASA. Usually for good reason, because some of this stuff is just like, you know, atmospheric phenomenon between the observer and the moon, but sometimes mm-hmm. it's not. Hmm. Now, these sightings have led to the theory that the moon has an atmosphere, weather patterns, 
and a host of life forms ranging, ranging from plants to super intelligent beings with advanced technology. Of course. Right. <laughs> now, Ingo Swan theorizes that these creatures have telepathy. Shit. Telepathy. Mm-hmm. But on a much more powerful level than humans. And he calls this Telepathy Plus. And we'll come back to this in a minute because I think it may be a streaming service of some kind. I was going to say, you have to pay extra for that. Isn't that the streaming service Gaia? I, There's a streaming service called Gaia, so that's Telepathy Plus. Is it? Okay, I'm going to go with that then. All right. <laughs> so, now... We're going to jump ahead to a NASA document published Mm -hmm. in 1958 about TLPs, citing almost 600 examples of transient lunar phenomenon, but leaving out some 2,000 of the most famous and credible examples of these Now, what are they trying to hide? That's the question. Now, you jump to the 60s and the lunar missions of the United States and the USSR, including the unmanned orbital probes that took low-res photos that have been released. But no high-res images of the moon have been released to this day. And if you look at the pictures, the low-res pictures, you can obviously see structures. Okay, so I'm remote viewing, and I am seeing Mike grimacing and gripping yeah, well, the table. I, I have to. I have to remember this was this was uh, written in what would you say ninety ninety eight ninety eight mm-hmm. before the uh, LRO, the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter. Yep. Which at this you know, at this point there were no high resolution photos of the moon released. Well, I mean, not depends I've, on your definition mm, of high resolution. Well, you know what I mean. I mean it's. It, there were, there were, there were high enough resolution for the time. Res, here's the thing: resolution's always increasing. Right. So for the 60s low era, resolution for sixty resolution. era technology, yes, it was high resolution. Sure. Now, hell, even for eighties technology, is probably still fairly high resolution. Now, Swan posits that these photos and research into transient lunar phenomenon, including the ones that were not included in the 1958 document were used to choose the landing site for the Apollo missions around the equator of the moon away from sites of TLPs. He also Hmm. says... Well, I mean, he's right on one count. Sure. That the pictures were used to, you know, choose the landing site. Well, that's how all this works, isn't it? You get, like, one grain of truth, and then you run with it. You keep your science out of this, Mike. <laughs> All right. I, there's there's a time and a place for science, and it's here. coming up. I'll sit here and bother the cat instead. Okay. Now, up, now they said up to Apollo. He says up to Apollo twenty was planned and built. True. But seventeen was the final mission in 1972, with the Russians also abandoning lunar plans in favor of working with the U.S. on Skylab. Now, Mike. Well, I would like that's not true. Okay, okay, well, Mike, I would like for you to tell us a little bit about the Apollo program and why it was dropped so I can tell you why you're wrong and it's actually the moon men. Uh well the the Apollo mission was 
stop because of the, the we found the moon men obviously okay well no but really okay I mean, yeah i was, was gonna say please don't be me well one russia dropped out like once we made it russia lost all like interest in it because it was like their they, stiff their stuff was just not they lost it. they lost their space hard on pretty much okay you know, they they wanted to be first and once we got there they're like well we can't be first so we don't care anymore and so without russia there to right you know, uh-huh. us to one up the political will kind of evaporated and also nasa was you know uh-huh. getting a lot of money so they were yeah. like well what are we going to do after the moon uh-huh. i know we want to go to mars oh god so Nixon and Congress at the time were like, yeah, we don't want to go to Mars. <laughs> they just, they, they realized it would be horrendously expensive. And, you know, they, they just decided since they didn't have the Ruskies to beat, we'll just reallocate all the money and to do this thing called the space shuttle. So the money that would have gone into the moon went to the space shuttle oh, instead. Yeah, the, the space shuttle was pretty expensive. And it also, how long was that on the drawing boards, if I may ask? Uh, so I think they started drawing up plans for the space shuttle pretty much while Apollo was still flying. Oh, really? Yeah. So and, like 72? Oh, yeah, earlier than that. I think oh, wow. There, was, there were case studies for some form of, uh, you know, reusable. reusable, at least partially reusable uh launch platform like that's in the 60s even oh wow yeah. okay i didn't know so, it went that far back yeah, oh, that's yeah. be, be, wow. because didn't von braun also have ideas about like so, a skylab clear yeah, back but they had like swastikas on it when he was <laughs> doing it yeah i mean he had lots of like i think a lot of it started with him because he did have this kind of like piggyback rocket idea which mm-hmm. eventually became you know the space shuttle or at least the you know early concepts for the, it. Yeah, the basic mm-hmm. idea for the but, thing. So, you know, like the original concept for the space shuttle was like a giant rocket that carried a smaller rocket, but both of them had wings so they could fly back and land. Mm. So, right. Okay. But, you know, so, but so, it was basically they put it into the space shuttle so they could like... Uh, okay, why? Because like what made them... Lo- other than like, is there a reason besides like money and Russia that they decide like fuck the moon? Yeah, it was it, it was just money in Russia because okay, so it wasn't like man, we've learned everything. It no, it wasn't like that. No, because there there's still a lot of. In fact, they're we're going back to yeah. the moon. Ostensibly. Well, now now that Ingo Swan's uh, dead, and we can prove him wrong without him yelling about it. But you know, there's there's always stuff. God damn it, cat! There's always <laughs> stuff to uh, learn about. Anything. Yeah. I mean, hell, we're all we're still learning stuff about Earth's geology. So, yeah, you know, what was it? Twelve dudes on the moon. Yeah, yeah, collecting well, and, rocks, and only yeah. one and of them here, an actual geologist. Here's the thing: we've seen the meme. Moon's haunted. Loads gun. Moon's haunted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's essentially what Ingo Swan was saying. So, <laughs> now. How am I wrong on this? Okay, so... Why, Swan, why did we not go back okay, to the moon? Now, Swan's the moon? theory is that we went to the moon with the full intention of building moon bases, which well, I don't I don't no, find anything of. that says that's wrong because the Russians were like, we build moon base, fuck you. And we were like, no, and how do we do it first? Now, these plans were dropped. He claims it was because... Uh, now, 
his his reasoning that they he says the government said was uh, the public didn't want to do it anymore. But he says the actual reason they were dropped were because we, and I quote, mm-hmm. got our asses kicked by the space siders, end quote, already on the moon. So, so they're saying Buzz <laughs> Aldrin and uh, Neil Armstrong got in a fist fight with these mm-hmm. Moonanites. Yeah, yeah, Mike, you fucking nerd. Kicked, so how do you know? How do you feel knowing you're wrong? Their legs. <laughs> yeah, how do you feel being wrong now? <laughs> Feels bad, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm obviously wrong about this, you know, political, economic stuff, and yeah. it's just the Moonanites. Yep, 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 you're just fucking wrong, man. And my foot is being constantly <laughs> bitten by an orange cat. <laughs> that means the cat loves you. No, it means the cat knows you're wrong. <laughs> yes, it does. you need to pet the cat until <laughs> you accept the Moonanites <laughs> in your life. Okay. There we go. Perfect. Ow, she's biting me even more. Fucking Christ. <laughs> well, she shit. Me with my this cat. is just the bully Mike for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, now, he, he, he's getting proven wrong. He's being attacked by a cat. Yes. We're making fun of him. Yes. All right. So <laughs> now using telepathy plus the space, <laughs> the space siders have embedded the conspiracy that the moon is a dead airless satellite so that we'll lose interest in it when it when in actuality it has an atmosphere, liquid water, and plant life, and they want it for themselves, and it keeps their moon bases on the dark side of the moon a secret. Uh, again, this is just the Inhumans. It, it really is. Now, while all this was planted by the space-siders, the big four he keeps referring to in the book of the government... Science, business, and the media are all in on it because they love to keep secrets. And the space siders are just feeding into that psychically. So, you know, you're just feeding our baser nature to keep secrets. Mm -hmm. All right, now we're going to get to the next section, which I call the psychic part of the goddamn book. (laughs) So, and I'm going to say, you know it's really goddamn sad when the part about psychics is the most down-to-earth thing in your source material. (laughs) Now, Swan almost hits on something with this. And that's saying something coming from me. His theory is that consciousness is, is sort of a universal medium that our minds are just like tiny islands floating in. And it almost sounds like the collective unconscious at times, but with terminology that would probably drive H.P. Lovecraft insane. Now, he believes that the typical methods of testing for psychic ability don't work because it isn't really a thought transfer in the way that we've learned and typically describe psychic uh, communication or, or what have you. It's all a shared knowledge to be accessed. So it sounds a bit like the Akashic Records, but like thought boats or some shit. Like, I don't know. I'm tired. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> this is a very tiring topic. But it also feels a lot like the collective subconscious, and we're all mm-hmm. like floating around in mind soup. 
<clears throat> that no, that's that's how uh, you access the matrix. Is it mind yeah. soup? Well, that that you know that they were floating in goo. Okay, that's true, Mike. What flavor do you think <clears throat> the mind soup is? Human. Human flavor. <clears throat> yes, David. How about you? What flavor do you think mind soup is? If anything, it's probably going to be a cold soup like a gazpacho. I have a feeling it's like shitty clam chowder. Oh, yeah. Chowder. Like room temperature. Room temperature clam chowder. Room temperature clam chowder. So that being said, he posits the question if this is a racial trait and separate from other species of intelligent life. Uh, his idea of telepathy plus is that the consciousness of space siders might inherently be more powerful. I, I, I want a space cider. Is it made with like space apples? I have a feeling, spa- you know, I keep thinking it's space sliders, which is like a crystals or a white castle thing. <laughs> They're out of this world. Yeah. Come get a space slider. So anyway, their minds are more adept at using it than ours is to our, co- our collective consciousness. Like the aliens are more in tune to theirs. Or, okay. or is it possible for humanity to unlock this higher level of psi by opening our minds? Or can, can I just open, do... open my root chakra? <laughs> I was just going to suggest salvia divinorum. Okay, thank you, fucking Joe Rogan. Mike, I kind of like <laughs> yours about the root chakra, but then again, that's <laughs> the... <laughs> We're going to open your butthole and you'll be able to be psychic. Open my butt, pour in the psychicness. You know, I wonder if this links <laughs> to a sexuality at all. Anyway. Mm. Anyway, at any rate, he ruins this interesting thought experiment by saying space siders have implanted, well, stupidity into our collective consciousness to not only keep us from accessing our full potential as psychics, but causing us to reject the very idea of Psy on the whole so that Ingo Swan's career is basically ruined and he has to write a bunch of books about this and how to get laid using your mind. Now, now this Wait. gives me pause, but you go, you go first, Mike. He, he, he can tell you how to do that? That's one of his fucking books. <laughs> um, hmm, maybe you I've been get, too harsh on him. Are you, are you going on <laughs> Amazon now, Mike? But no, no, uh, isn't getting getting laid with your mind, isn't that called like, you know, talking to someone? And um, you know? he, he seems to think you can psychically impress your will on someone, which is really sounding like nagging. Mm-hmm. So so he so on one hand, you have talking to someone and uh-huh. talking about shared interests and all that stuff. Uh-huh. On the other hand, you have creepily staring at someone impressing your psychic will upon you. I just picture Ringo Swan in a gay bar with his hand, like his two fingers up to his uh, temple, like Professor X, going, trying to get some stud to talk to him. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, okay. Anyway, now, sorry, now, go now, ahead, David. Like, a lot of this is reminding me of some of the stuff that, like, Helena Blavatsky talked about. The idea that there is this uh, root race and that things have been put into our minds to dumb us down and all the problems that come from that. I'm getting those kind of vibes. And I feel like we're... 
yeah, I, I feel like eventually like the the woo woo crystal fascists are going to pick up on this and be like, well, here's the new one. I don't know due to his sexuality, but also as long as he doesn't say white people are superior and came from Mars, I think we're okay. But but that was like that was the Blavatsky thing is that she wasn't saying like white people okay, were superior fair. because the whole thing was like, well, the Asian nations are closest to the original underground wizard race and that's the reason we don't have magic anymore is because uh you know we turned white yeah, yeah. so again it's i just i see like i'm glad i'm glad the woo woo crystal uh crystal fascist haven't picked up on this yeah, yet i feel like swan in the i think part of that is because one swan was sort of a blackball by the uh, society for psychical research mm. and part of it is because he really stressed using scientific methods to test his stuff, even though it was his own scientific methods. Yeah. So, and I'm not going to lie. I kind of enjoyed this book. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least part of it, you know, the story was great. I feel like this should have been like a, a movie or like an episode of a TV show somewhere. But the attempts to sound intelligent, uh, by making up your own lexicon was extremely painful but overall, there were some interesting concepts. I would love to see these things handled by a more competent author someday. And it actually made me curious about Psy in general again. So I guess it's a good thing or not. I don't know. <laughs> he was trying to J.R.R. Tolkien that shit. But there's a reason why you create the terminology for a long lost group instead of doing something contemporary contemporaneously. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, if it, if this had been elves, I probably could have accepted it. Better. Right, right. It, all I had to do was turn this into a fantasy book right. or like a Star Warsy sci-fi fantasy sure, thing. And it yeah, because yeah. then I would have bought Space Siders and Earth Siders. But like as a actual thing, it fucking gave me a headache a lot. Like the, this would have been like a Battlestar Galactica style show in the 1970s. And it would have been great <laughs> if he had gone with that angle. Glenn Larson, lots of Mormonism. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I, I did want to bring up a couple things that we didn't discuss, but we'll have to bring up later. Um, now his art is really fucking neat. Yeah, um, like, um, his, his paintings are actually really fucking good. He's shockingly talented as an artist. Yeah. And, you know, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have a link to that in the notes, but there, I did yeah. show Kevin one painting that's like, okay, it's clearly two leather daddies <laughs> at it. Yeah, um, going at it in front of a bunch of debutantes. Yes, um, like he does like trippy like stuff you'd see on the side of the van, and then you've got leather daddies. So, um, <laughs> now, one yeah. of the other interesting things is that like he stopped doing art like thirteen years before his death. Coincidence, probably, but it's just interesting to note. Yeah, uh, and he uh, died in twenty thirteen, so yep. he stopped yep. in the year two thousand. I don't know; it's yep. weird. We should also discuss his goddamn chinchilla named Mercenary at some point. Because <laughs> the other thing, when we're talking about him, we also need to talk about the fact that he has this chinchilla that he travels with. Yes. So when we cover this, we're going to have to read his essay about Mercenary. Yeah. Spoiler alert, psychic chinchillas. Not just psychic chinchillas, but psychic chinchillas we would lose a war against. <laughs> 
Yes. Uh, so Mike, all this you, traveling you to, he's doing. You're going to have to strap so, in for that so one. So benevolent psychic chinchillas. Yes. Because they're obviously yeah. not attacking us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, because, you know, we got the pellets. Yeah. Now, of course, not to make a big deal about uh, his sexuality, but there is some interesting stuff going on with him, the way that he's viewing the world, yeah. the way that he's approaching certain subjects, because, again, I think there is a little bit of code switching going on there. I um, think so. Yeah, but yeah, here, here's the here's the thing that I want to get into, and I think this is going to start this, something for us. I, I think you're right. I'm excited about this. Okay, so the Highline Hotel in New York also has a series of cocktails inspired by Ingo Swan. Now, for example, you have the Remote View, which is Bombay Gin, Citrus, Simple Syrup, and Champagne. You lost Mike at Gin. Right. Or how about the Seventh Sense? That's true. Now, what was that next one? The Seventh Sense. It is a blend of Havana Club Anejo Classico Rum, Mint, lime juice, simple syrup, bitters, and champagne. I would try that. So, that got me thinking about the fact that we're not leveraging the fact that you two work in a liquor store enough. (laughs) I think that's true, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I propose that we come up with cocktails for previous episodes and all episodes going forward, either creating some or finding others that people have created and mention them in the episode. Or alternate... Alternately, we mm-hmm. could just pair different liquors with episodes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, on that note, I decided to try my hand at making one for this episode. Okay. So, this is a fancy little margarita called Ingo's Chinchiller. <laughs> <laughs> and it, 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 we're going to have to put up a website, uh, a thing on the website where we'll, we'll list these recipes and everything like that. But, okay. Yeah. You're going to need to get yourself one ounce of tequila... You know, and this is going to be like a like a fancy drink. This is something you get at the hotel. It's going to be like 20 bucks, okay? Okay. All right. One ounce of tequila, one ounce of spiced rum, one and a half ounces of sweetened lime juice. All right. Now, you'll need three ounces worth of pulverized papaya, which is a fruit from Chile where you can find chinchillas, okay? So here's the theme. Okay, I gotcha. Season the papaya to taste with tagine and uh, make this up ahead of time so that the papaya pulp can absorb the spices. Now, what, now is, you, uh, what, what, is, uh, what is that? Uh, so it's a combination of chili and spices that like the uh, it's it's kind of a Mexican uh, uh, like delicacy Kevin. thing where like you take like papaya, like fresh fruit, mango, that sort of thing. And you put the spice on it okay. and it makes it kind of sweet, sour, spicy, everything like that. It's delicious. OK, Mike, um, you were going to say something. Okay, never mind. Okay. So um, you, you season the papaya to taste with a tagine and mm-hmm. uh, make this up ahead of time so the papaya pulp can absorb the spices, everything uh-huh. like that. You want this like nice, deep flavor. Okay. Blend your ice to the consistency of a margarita. Then once the ice is where you want it, mix in the chilled flavor papaya and other ingredients. Pour into a margarita glass and rim it with a tagine for the drink that is like sweet, sour, spicy, little herby and just right to open up your third eye Ooh, that sounds fun yeah so I, I think we should Uh-oh. like play around with that mike has just handed me a bottle of tygene and it's delicious it like goes we so well have, on fresh fruit except for the papaya we have all the ingredients to make this, so I'm thinking we may need to get some papaya and possibly next week we can report 
on this cocktail. Yeah, I think uh, I think this is something that we should start doing on the show going forward. Um, you know, that's going to be our thing. Yeah, I think yeah. next week I'll do uh, I'll do mine, which is called research juice. So <laughs> so I have one that I concocted at Dragon Con, Ooh, but it should be reserved for when we hate something and need a terrible terrible drink oh so the next alex chew episode because kevin you remember the drink you tried it. oh god oh fuck i i discovered a weird concoction like of normal what which should be normal ingredients and i'll whenever we use it i'll i'll describe it more it's a devil it's it's oh my god yeah, th- this is a thing we need to start doing going forward, and I will I will I, get I the agree. website, the web page together for it. Um, you know, and just let's let's have fun with this. This is great. Yeah. I love this. Oh, that's going to be fun. Now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> before we go forward with the questions, I want to uh, throw this out there. I, I did some uh, research into Nandor Fodor, <laughs> which is my favorite name right now. Now, uh, isn't he the one who carried Bran Stark around? No, I th- I thought that was the current uh, Disney uh, plus Star Wars. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No, no, Nandor, yeah. So <clears throat> the thing is, this guy's a uh, psychical researcher, and uh, he has like, a lot of books, and one of them's up on uh, eBay that I was looking at called Between Two Worlds, uh, and it's about psychic phenomenon and the occult. I was really interested in getting it, and I decided, well, let me look up other stuff by Nandor Fodor. I can't <laughs> not say it like that. <laughs> and it turns out there's a movie about him coming out Ooh. called Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose. It is about <laughs> Jeff the Talking Mongoose, a famous paranormal thing from the U.K., that constantly talked about, you know, Jeff, why are you messing with us? I did it for the devilment. <laughs> and uh, I highly recommend you look up the last podcast episode about Jeff. And uh, they're doing a movie about it. It stars Simon Pegg, Christopher <laughs> Lloyd, and Minnie Driver. It should be out uh, this year or next. And I'm excited about it. So, Oh, yeah. That sounds great. You know, it's a, it's a real, and it's a comedy. So it's definitely in our kind of uh, wheelhouse. So, just wanted to get that out there because Nandor Fodor is a great name. (laughs) Sounds like something George Lucas would come up with. Kid Fisto. Yeah, (laughs) this is this is the new uh, new Jedi Nandor Fodor. He's a Jedi from the Bukapu planet. God damn it! That sounds legit, Mike. (laughs) Yep. Fuck. <clears throat> All right. Well, that being said, we got some questions from uh, the peanut gallery, as always. <laughs> Is that what we're calling I, I them? But, but Kevin, I don't have any questions. How can you get questions from me? You're not the peanut gallery. I'm not. No, you're a host. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, Mike, you've been a host for a while now. Yeah, man. You know this. You, you are, uh, you're kind of important. <laughs> he's he's I, just a live audience. God damn yeah. it, Mike. You're not the audience. Okay. <laughs> You're not allowed to be the audience. But uh, if you have questions, uh, you head over to uh, our Discord. Uh, you can find it on our website, supernatpod.rocks, or you can hit us up on Twitter at supernatpod and ask us questions. And we or will, email. 
or email us that uh, bastage at supernaturalselectionpod.com. Uh, but yeah, or the contact form on our website. Anyway, yes. you can ask us questions. We will answer it on the show. So, questions this week. The first one is from Darth Plato. Hello, Andy. Says, I just want to hear your favorite song that mentions the moon. Is it Pink Floyd? The police? The people need to know. Ooh. Hmm. Ooh. Can I go first? Absolutely. Well, that would definitely have to be Dream Theater, Under a Glass Moon. Ooh, good choice. Not mine, mm. but definitely a good choice. David, how about you? Um, You know what? Just because it reminds me of one of my favorite horror movies ever, Blue Moon. Oh, I know the <clears throat> movie, too. That's American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Yeah. Blue Moon, Blue Moon. <laughs> yep, and meanwhile, he is, like, dying of pain as yes. it goes on. Uh, mine is actually probably Destination Moon by They Might Be Giants from the album, uh, John Henry. Wow, no shit. Yeah, for reals. <laughs> yeah, no, it's about a dude who's obviously suffering from dementia deciding he's going to the moon. It's a fun <laughs> song and it's dark as shit. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, yeah, well that's, I guess that's our moon songs. Uh, Kick Acetron asks, would we have to train and use whalers in order to fight moon aliens? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if they would be moon whales. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a question. Like, are I, the aliens whales? No, but like, you know, the whalers got the harpoons. But like, but they're the psychic harpoon... aliens, so I don't know how effective that would be. Yeah, and besides, like if you're training whalers, they're they're specifically designed for one job, right? To whales. To, to yeah, to get the whales. So yeah, I don't but, know if they'd make a good fighting force. Sure, but the, could they bring down like one of their speeding craft from the the moonish if, atmosphere? If the uh, if the the moonanites were full of ambergris, then yes, Ooh. the whalers would be effective. <laughs> uh, so here's precious, a question: precious ambergris. Uh, Again, hit us, uh, hit us up on the various uh, ways to hit us up. Let us know. Do you think aliens are full of ambergris? <laughs> Whale biologist. Whale biologist. <laughs> I call them like I see them. Whale biologist. Yep. There you go. All right. So uh, next moon whale biologist. Yes. <laughs> moon right. whale biologist. That's a whole new thing. Better, better, uh, <laughs> better song than frontier psychiatrist. Shut up! It is. Oh uh, no, it is not. It is know, definitely not. not, man. So, Ghostforge, as always, our friend Ghostforge, thank you for asking. We love you guys. Uh, do you think remote viewers have ever missed by a house and seen someone cranking it instead? It has to be all the time, I It's yeah. got to be. If you're not using the coordinate ordinate system, yes, definitely. Well, yeah, like, if you believe this, like, you know... You know, on principle, you should be masturbating every day because you know someone is going to watch because of their the psychic projection. So it's I, I you got to give them a good show. You know, you have to think that like at least more than fifty percent of psychic viewers would just be watching people cranking it. That's what they want to do. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. how many times have you like have, have remote viewers gone and I see, whoa, dude's got a huge honker. I mean, that's what <laughs> that's what uh, Ingo Swan had to be doing during those quote unquote naps. <laughs> just, just, just astral projecting. Yeah. Oh my god, astral projection, cuck. Oh, oh my no. god, this is a whole new area we're going into. 
<laughs> I think yes, they have. Yeah. Uh, now Sam well, most assuredly. Yeah. Now Sam follows up. Do you think remote viewers have ever hit a house because someone's cranking it? Most assuredly. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I think they like <laughs> or, if someone's not cranking it, they move to the next house. Oh, they're just <laughs> watching. You know, Andy Griffith. Fuck them. Oh, uh, he's he's like. He's going he's, at he's it. cranking it with like a bedpost in his butt. Hell yeah. <laughs> that guy's got a gas mask with a tube hooked to a hollow bedpost shoved up his ass. <laughs> he's, he's got the birdcage covered in porn on his head. <laughs> that's, that's a terrible way to die because it happened. Yeah, that, that oh, was no. from like early internet days. Yeah, dude, get, like the birdcage got caught in a... Uh, yeah, there was this, there was this whole thread about <laughs> oh, like how p- terrible ways people died, like masturbating. And yeah, one of them was he had had like a room plastered in porn with a birdcage he put on his head that was covered in porn, and the birdcage got caught on like what a ceiling fan, a or ceiling something like fan, that. and hung him. Yeah, and it, and, now, and now, hung him. now can you imagine being a person who comes over as a guest and you stumble into the room plastered with porn? <laughs> Can no. you imagine being the <laughs> guy responding to the smell? Look, now, look. now here's the thing. I, I talk about like this idea about the guy having a room plastered in porn. Yeah. That is literally Chief Justice Clarence Thomas's oh. house when he was in his 30s. Oh, God, like, yes. When his apartment no. after his divorce, he had like that, just no, porn up on the walls. No, it was, it was like his 30s, but like once he hit his 40s, he framed it. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, you got to get classy when you no, hit your forties. I, I started thinking of someone different. I was like, wait, no, I was thinking of uh, the 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 mayor that smoked crack. Oh, uh, God, Marion Barry. Rob Ford Barry. got the. Wow. I got my names mixed up. <laughs> wait, who was that? You said David. Rob Ford. Oh no, no, that's a completely different mayor that was smoking crack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all these mayors smoking crack, man. You know, it makes me wonder about Chuck crack epidemic amongst our mayors. <laughs> we got a problem. We definitely got a problem. <laughs> Crack. There's too much crack the in all these city halls. Yes. God, Tammany Hall has got major issues right now. Oh, the God. Crystal so, Palace, more like. Oh, my God. All right, well, that's it for this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We had a lot of fun doing this one. Uh, I did not have a lot of fun researching this one, but, man. I, I can attest he was kind of miserable to be around. I was. <laughs> it was. God damn yeah okay i'm just glad we got this one out and the next episode we do about ingo will be a lot more entertaining because we're gonna go into the fun stuff like him and his psychic chinchilla so uh <laughs> anyway again thank you for listening uh head to our website supernatpod.rocks and you can uh find links to everything you need to including our patreon or discord and our contact form if you have subjects you would like for us to cover or would like to be interviewed about your paranormal or supernatural experiences uh you can find us on twitter at supernatpod and you can find david on twitter at hpcomic h-p-k-o-m-i-c and mm-hmm. find links to all of his projects there david do you have anything specific you want to plug this week um, we're going to be doing, uh, the first episode of Chucky season two, uh, next week. I think I'll, the episode will drop Monday. And then I think sometime this weekend, our episode on Bride of Chucky will drop. So, awesome. Hey. Yeah. Awesome. Mike, you got anything you want to plug? Um, not really. Okay. You know, maybe, maybe like, a, I don't know, my USB charger into the wall. Okay. That's fair. Sure. 
Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you again for listening, and we will see you next time. So until then, stay safe and stay frosty. Goodbye. My name is Ingo Swan. You killed my chinchilla. Prepare to die. God damn it. Not mercenary. Oh, my God. I never want to hear the word moon again. This is... Fuck you. <laughs> the third fucking episode we've done about the moon. And it's